0: Support for the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking over the world and is now available in all of Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. You know who Manscaped today? Tony Kroos. 115 touches against Valencia, 4 key passes, 12 of 13 long balls completed, uh... A goal and an assist, and him and Modric just bossed the midfield against Valencia. You know who didn't manscape? Basically everyone in the Valencia team. Just top to bottom. Just refused to turn on the manscape. I don't even know if they have manscape. Judging by the way they, they performed or they defended the way they attacked, chances are they didn't manscape at all. By the way, one thing we forgot to mention in all of these manscape recordings they have an amazing charging stand. Like You can show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to this, go to manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID. That's one word. Get 20% off. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID your balls will thank you. Potencia, respira un poco. También es <laughs> cierto que está obligado a ganar si quiere meterse en el top 10 de la liga, el equipo de Javi Gracia. La pelota de Toni Kroos para Benzema que está en el vértice del área, le pegó al arco. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. It is Sunday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone listening to this. Hope you guys have had a fantastic Sunday so far. We are recording this about half hour after Real Madrid beat Valencia quite comfortably. And I would actually go as far as say shockingly comfortably. And Valencia really, really made little effort to make it uncomfortable for us. But we'll get into all that. Joining me for a rare early kickoff kind of post-game show thing is Ewan McTeer. You and how you doing?
1: Yeah, good. It's weird to talk to you, and there's like sunlight coming in. It's usually <laughs> it's usually moonlight when we talk after Champions League games or whatever. But
0: yeah, well, that's why I, I you know, I, re- I reached out to you because it made sense for you to to join on this. These earlier kickoffs make much more sense because you guys, you still have a whole day ahead of you in Spain because it's only yeah. it's not even seven o'clock where you are. So, um, figure we would record this, and you got, you can. Go and do other things in Spain. Although I don't know what you can do in Spain during lockdown. Are things open? Bars are open, right? But I, yeah, I honestly yeah. I don't know. Changes a lot from day yeah, to day. yesterday
1: the center of Madrid yesterday felt pretty much like a normal day. You know, um, yeah, sunny. Everybody in the terraces. The only difference is everyone's wearing a mask. But yeah, no, actually, weirdly feels kind of normal in Madrid. So um, yeah,
0: not too bad. So this, speaking of normal, this kind of felt like normal Real Madrid. Mm. I guess I don't really know what normal Real Madrid is anymore because it's it hasn't been that exciting. But this kind of felt like a a more vintage, comfortable Real Madrid performance. Moritz and Cruz were great again for the umpteenth time. Cruz was fantastic. Moritz was fantastic. Um, and but there are there's a lot to talk about, right? You know, we can talk about Carvajal's injury, um, the performances of various players, good and bad, mostly good, and also Valencia's kind of structure and some of the X's and O's. So. Where do you want to start? Because I um, I know that I always look forward to your three questions, three answers piece. There's always one or two things in there that I hadn't thought about. Um, so what is kind of the main thing that stood out to you from this game that you feel like needs to be addressed first?
1: Yeah, I guess in, in general terms, like you're saying, it was just weirdly comfortable. If you look at the results you have had this season, there's a few games where they where they've won by multiple goals. They've won by maybe two goals, but... Some of those are a little bit um, misleading because there's been a couple of games where they've scored the second goal in like stoppage time. I think they beat mm. Ibar 3-1, Athletic 3-1 with like stoppage time goals that sort of made the result, made it look more comfortable than it actually was. But in this game, it was, they got the two goals in the first half. So it was, it really was comfortable. At no point did you ever really think that Valencia were coming back into this. Um, you almost didn't think they would score at all and they didn't. Um no it was it was just surprisingly like comfortable a uh, good afternoon for everyone involved in Real Madrid apart from Carvajal which we'll we'll get to but I mean yeah just a nice sunny Valentine's Day out in in the training complex of Valdebebas Ramos was there looking absolutely chilled um I don't know I think he was having like an orange mocha frappuccino or something just you know giggling away He's like um like Zoolander or whatever but. Um everybody just seemed pretty happy. There was no rain, there was no wet towels to throw. It was just um it was like a nice Real Madrid day out in the park.
0: Yeah, Ramos um, did not look stressed at all. He looks like you nobody know nobody looks stressed. Yeah, yeah he
1: was was smiling. Um it was almost apart from the Carver injury, I guess it was the perfect um day for Real Madrid basically.
0: We're actually recording this probably during the post-game press conferences, right? Or do we do we have Zidane quotes yet?
1: I don't think so. I think it's probably yeah right now. All right, so
0: we'll deal. Well, if those come in real time, if anything's interesting, we can uh, we can pick those up and talk about it. I thought uh, you know Valencia are weird because they're just. Mm. I actually thought they were basically traffic cones today, as harsh harsh as that sounds. (laughs) And I guess not to because of the color. Well, I that wasn't a factor, but it is now. I didn't even think about that, but also just because. It just felt like Real Madrid could do anything they wanted to do. It, you know, they weren't pressed. Um, they had a bunch of passing lanes open. So the reason Valencia are super weird to me is because they have this defensive identity in that they try to sit deep, you know, for large stretches of this game. They had 10 players behind the ball, and the only one ahead was Maxi Gomez, who, by the way, had no chance of getting the ball anyway. So I, it, you might as well have put them him back there, too, because Valencia offered nothing going the other way in transition. So... They have this kind of defensive identity, but Dominic also <laughs> faces the most shots on target of anyone in La Liga. And I just think, like, when you're in that headspace, I wonder what it feels like for him, like, to have all these these players in front of him, but at the same time, like, it just feels like you you can't trust them. Because I remember Diego and I were having a discussion about goalkeepers in La Liga on the Churros Tacticas podcast when we were ta- giving um, midseason La Liga awards. And we were talking about Dominic as this kind of like this weird guy who has, who makes mistakes, but also makes great saves, but also faces like a million shots per game. It's kind of hard to assess him. And, um, I just think like his defense does him no favors. Obviously, like their ceiling was a bit higher when they had Parejo and Condogbia and these guys. But at the same time, they still had their problems. And this game is just, it was, it was all of that. It was, they didn't have a single shot in the first half. Um, or Really, any threatening moments? I think their first shot, if I'm not mistake- mistaken, came around the 54th minute. Um, but then that that was basically they didn't really threaten outside of that, and um, so yeah, I, I so kind of like when I say Real Madrid had a comfortable game, not to discredit them, but Valencia really just did little to stop them. I thought,
1: yeah, they were they were pretty bad. I mean, uh, Javi Grassi already had his press conference, and he says this might be the worst game he's um. He's coached them since he took over. I don't. I might wow. disagree with that because there's been a few bad ones because they are just this sort of Jekyll and Hyde team. You just never know what Valencia is going to show up, and there's no pattern to it. It's not like, um, the same happens with Real Madrid a bit, where when they play smaller teams, sometimes they're not, um, going for it as much as they do for like a classical or a Derby or whatever. But with Valencia, there's not even a pattern of like they turn up when uh, they play Barca and Madrid, and Atletico, and then they slack off for this. No, there's just it's not home and away it's not um, the time of day I don't know there's no pattern to whether Valencia will be good or not um, breaking this specific one down yeah the defence was pretty poor they only had really um, Gabriel for, for centre-backs in this game they had the uh, the new signing Ferro came on um, for this game he, he he's having his first outing in the Valencia defence that never helps when you're going up against Real Madrid and it's you know, your debut, basically. Um, But that was also their own fault because that was the whole Guillemón-Javi Gracia incident where he told um, Guillemón after he suffered an injury to make sure he time-wasted and got a yellow card so he'd miss a game that he was going to be injured for. This was back in November and finally went through the Spanish Federation and um, they hit the player with a one-game ban, Javi Gracia with two games. Um, That was silly. Um, and because they had a couple of other center back injuries, they were they were a little bare there and yeah it, you could tell these were players that hadn't really played together before. they were they were there, they were present, they were in the box but they weren't exactly doing much. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what Valencia can be sometimes is just a team that you just you wonder they don't live up to the name, you know Valencia is you know one of the very biggest clubs in Spain. They do usually give Real Madrid a good game in this one just not at all it seemed almost like not that they weren't up for it they just they just couldn't
0: well even like when that that 4-1 at the Messiah earlier this season in november mm. even that was such a deceiving scoreline to me because they didn't yeah. play that well that was the soler hat-trick of penalties i think one of them there was two rebounds for it to, to actually score it and then um you had the Varanón goal. You had a couple defensive meltdowns for Real Madrid. They just completely melted in defending a couple times. Ramos made a really silly mistake. And, like, it was just kind of a, a lot of that, gift, gifts gifts to Valencia. Um, in this game, there was nothing like, like that, obviously. They didn't give Valencia anything. And there were a couple times where Valencia kind of looked like they were about to make a, make a run the other way. But Casemiro came up with a couple of brilliant interventions. So, I want to... I want to talk about um, some non-tactical things like Carvajal's injury, but I want to save that for a little bit later. I'm curious to know, like in terms of standouts, who stood out to you today for Real Madrid?
1: Uh, Mondi, Erling <laughs> Mondi, for <laughs> for some interesting reasons. No, he was good. He was he was really good at left back in his in his normal day job, but then he was just in the box a few times not even just when he scored the goal but there was another one as well when he was up there obviously he scored the goal in midweek as well against Itafi and um, it's you know we have a large enough sample size now of of Mondi getting really far forward and basically partnering Benzema better than Jovic ever did that we can say this must be like an instruction you know this isn't just like one foray forward the Hitafi goal in midweek, you look at it and you think, okay, maybe he wasn't really supposed to get that involved in attack, but he just saw there was so much space and nobody was following them, so he just went. But now it's happened a couple more times that it seems as if Dan's instructing him that, hey, like, you need to contribute more in attack, and the way to do that is to get further forward. Like, don't worry, there'll be someone covering for you behind going, you know, uh, contributing the way that Marcelo did all those years. And, you know, for his year and a half at Real Madrid, I think that's the the main criticism everyone's had of mondy is he's been great defensively um in attack it's just not always been quite there always shooting with his right foot as you point out <laughs> from outside the box he was trying that for ages um it's just a very weird um <laughs> a weird player when he gets
0: forward a lot of right foot mendy today which i'm i'm not sure is a good thing obviously he scored the goal was disallowed but uh you know he, and obviously he scored with his right foot last game but he also had a lot of right-footed passes, which I, I think when he goes into that mode, that's when it worries me. He had one where he switches it with his right foot and it barely gets over the opponent and nearly was a giveaway. He also killed a few attacks with just passing with his right foot. They were all over-hit. Um, two over-hit through balls to Benzema. Um, one one also to, I think that the, there was another one this third, in the second half that was also to Benzema. So I think it's three total. And they were all with his right foot. I just don't think he can get the right the right weight on it and the right accuracy on it with his right foot. Maybe it's a work in progress, but uh, a lot of right footed Mendy things lately. But I also think like you know with him, it's always net positive with him. Like it's he makes a lot of really good off ball runs that are underrated. I think where he just drags defenders with him, creates space. He did really well to pop up as an outlet in the box. Uh, and this disallowed go, but also the one kind of he fumbled when we see from Benzema a little bit later. So you know, I, this was for good or bad. This was a very active Mendy game, but mostly good. Um, did you feel like I, I just might as well get get to this now? Do you feel like Carvajal should have started this game because, from what we know, like in all the reports so far, is that this was actually an aggravation of his muscle injury in his right thigh that he previously had.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's the thing, you know, we can all look at it after the fact and say, "Ah, oh, he shouldn't have started, should have done this. But, I mean, remember, he had basically been back in training for the full week. He almost could have played in the Hitafi game. He was um, There was a chance he could have played in that and in the end he decided not to. And we know Zidane's so cautious about these things that I sort of feel like, Zidane probably waited a bit longer than he should have um, to bring Carvajal back in, or a bit longer than he had to, to be extra safe, and it still happened. So mm. um, I don't really think it's it's a case of of something that could have been foreseen, you know. Uh, Real Madrid are so careful with this kind of thing. There's so many tests you can do these days. There's so much data they have on, on how the muscle's holding up. And I'm pretty sure that from what they saw yesterday on the morning of the game, the data probably said no, Carver Hall is, is like very, very good to go. Ninety five percent, you know, ready to go sort of thing. Um and then it was just a bit unlucky. Um, you know, you see it as well. It wasn't um it's was just a weird the way he he knew immediately what it was and just walked off while the game was was still basically going. Um he obviously knew what it was, I guess there was always that risk. But no, I don't think it was um a bad idea to play Carvajal because I'm sure they didn't expect this you know and Zidane's usually super cautious with this
0: I'm worried about what this means for the rest of the season for him because I'm just worried about this relapse a little bit so you pointed I'll just read your tweet uh verbatim from Twitter up to 2017 Carvajal had missed just 24 matches in his whole career due to injury since then it's 57 games missed and counting um and, and this the last couple years it feels like it's a little bit more noticeable. And and by the way, like I I really, really notice when he's not on the field. Like you can you can see like even in those first I think it was twenty five so minutes he played, um twenty-seven minutes, you could just you just notice him. He's always active, he's always shouting instructions, he's always pressing hard, he's always sprinting back in transition, he's getting involved, he was involved in the Benzema goal. Um, him and Cruz progressing the ball to get it to Benzema, and and I mean, luckily enough, Vasquez was was really good today, and we can we can transition to that as well. Vasquez had three key passes by halftime and assists. He created the second goal essentially with a with a nice pass and move sequence where he continues into the box, and by the end of it, he actually led the game in in with five key passes, and he played really well. I just think that like, you know, the context of the game in Valencia, like it's fine for this for this to be the game that Carvajal has to go off injured, but I do worry if you don't have him against Atalanta when you already don't have Ramos in the back line. Um Especially because I I don't think I think he's more of a a kind of Ramos type captain than Varane is in in kind of just making sure that everything is organized. So I worry about that aspect of it. Do you worry at all that from a Real Madrid fan perspective or a Real Madrid perspective? That, uh, that this might be a lingering thing with him.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, that's that of how injured he's been. It's been so many different injuries, you know. There's been hamstring, calf, knee, um, concussion. Even he had the, the heart condition that kept him out for a while. He's had a little bit of everything. It's just been really unlucky. So, yeah, I don't think that is a concern. That It's it's like Hazard and it's always, almost always, the ankle after he's had those two those two serious knocks. To it, that's more of a worry because it's the same injury or seems to be a similar injury almost every time. With Carvajal, it's different things. In this specific case, it seems like it's a relapse of, of the issue he's had since the start of January. But now nah, I don't think long term it's a it's a big problem. It is a problem that he's injured so often, but I don't think it's um, this one specific thing is going to linger and linger and be really dif- uh, difficult to get over.
0: Um, I just I wanted to mention also. I thought I didn't. I, I basically stopped taking notes on Kruse and Modric because at, at some point it was just like there's just too many good things to say about them, and it was like minute by minute. But I just want to say like th- those two have been playing such at such an unbelievable level this season that um, that I mean, Ram, you should be really th- we should be really thankful that they're playing at that this kind of level. Modric is 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 dictating things like he did in 2017, and Kruse I feel just like wakes up. And just stumbles into these incredible stats like before the game even started. Like he just, you just know he's a machine of like, he's always going to get like 97% passing accuracy, a bunch of key passes. And I noted at halftime, he had a goal and an assist, obviously we saw that. He also had, as usual, tremendous passing accuracy and seven of eight long balls completed. Um, By the end of it, 12 of 13. Casemiro was another one by the way, 13 and 15 long balls completed. You don't see that too often from him, but he also wasn't pressured, but he also had a really great game. So I'm not going to take anything away from him. Um Cruz also had 107 passes far and away the most. The the second most of anyone uh on the team was Casemiro at 69 passes. This is a, this is a, that's a massive 40 pass gap between the two. And um it was just it was an all around just incredible performance and i think it's like a lot of it with him you and is just instinctual like he just the ball gets to him and he just looks up and he knows where to switch it to he does it quickly the defense can't set he had a few of them to to modric but also out wide to both vinicius and asensio and it's just like clockwork with him and obviously the goal he scored was just classic cruz like to me it's that's just like his it's the copy paste goal that you can just apply to every game. It's almost as if every goal he scores is is that exact goal. So, um, any further thoughts on Cruz Modric, or even midfield things in general, Casemiro? If you want, what what did you think of Brehmjerd's midfield?
1: No, they were they were just really good. This is one of probably their best performances as a collective of the season. Part of that is kind of what we were saying. Valencia sort of stood off them, made it. A bit easier but no they were they were fantastic it and your points exactly right there comes a point you just need to stop taking notes and just you know sit back and enjoy almost you know there's nothing new going to learn or glean from you know studying what they're doing so closely it's we've seen it for what five six seven years now so um and that's the other thing too it's just it's that familiarity yeah cruz sometimes doesn't even really have to look because he knows where modric casimir are going to be and even more more and more he knows where Vinicius and Asensio are going to be because he's playing, well, every single game is another another one of them, getting to know them, especially Vinicius, who's, I think, a player who, when he arrived, obviously had all this talent, but he's a kind of unique player that maybe takes a while to figure out exactly um, what his runs are like, what his thinking is, what his uh, next pass is going to be because he is quite a different player in that sense. Chris has now been playing with him for you know, a couple of years. He knows um, where Vinicius is probably going to be. Um, so, yeah, they were just fantastic. But at the same time, Valencia did make it easy for them. But, um, yeah, if you're going to stand off them and let them just stand there, pick your part, spray the ball around, that's what they're going to do.
0: Where do you stand on like the whole rotation discussion? Because um, they're in this, the team is in this situation now where, as much as you hate to hear it, <laughs> Every game is a final because they have, they're they're down a million points in La Liga and they have to win every game. And they're out of the Copa and they have to win every game in the Champions League or at least advance every to every round they they play in, whether it's win draw whatever on aggregate. So every game kind of is like a final for them. So Zidane feels this this need to to just play his best eleven in almost every game and. That's part of the reason why their depth chart has sinned out a little bit with Odegaard leaving and Jovic has left um, for the for at least this season anyway. Odegaard playing right now, by the way. I'm curious to go and watch that game after we're done recording. And um, But I, I don't know if I ever got your thoughts on it because it's just this weird situation where Kroos and Mordech are playing at an incredible level. Um, I suppose, like, do you... My question is, I guess, do you pay a tax at the end of the season for this? Like, this short-term benefit could have a long-term effect of they get burnt out, maybe like they did in two thousand fifteen, playing too many minutes. And we've been watching also just across uh uh across the park, I guess, with Barcelona. They're getting all these amazing minutes from Pooch and Pedri and um I mean Trincao scored a couple goals yesterday. Who was the other kid that started yesterday? Do you remember his name? He made a mistake. To...
1: Uh Elix.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was okay, I guess, but <laughs> I don't want to throw him into this discussion of like, oh, all of a sudden they have all these youngsters um, and they're playing I well. Mean, but
1: he he gave away the the Alaves goal. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a debut. You
0: know, he'll so, be fine. So, where do you stand on that rotation kind of? Thing? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, this is a thing. So people will say, ah, oh, Cruz, Modric, Casemiro are playing every single game. Mm, true, they're playing every Real Madrid game, but they're not playing the super cup final because real Madrid didn't get there they're not playing a Copa del Rey last 16 or quarter final or semi-final because Real Madrid went out so early so in this specific season because Real Madrid went out the Super Cup after one game and went out the Copa del Rey at the first hurdle basically it's one game every seven days we keep talking this season because of the packed schedule all games every three days games every three days that's not been the case for Real Madrid since January, basically, you know. Um they had the Hitafi one that they had to make up. But apart from that, since they went out the Copa del Rey, they've pretty much had it every midweek off. They've got this midweek off um coming up as well. Um then they have Atalanta and then another Liga game and then another week off, another full seven days off. It's so I don't actually think it's that much of an issue because Real Madrid are going to finish this season playing far fewer games than some of the years when they went all the way in the Champions League and also had a cup run and also had the Super Cup and all of these things. So I think you can play them every game. And Modric has, remember, I think we were talking about this at the start of the season, Modric has said he feels better when he's playing often because he gets into a rhythm. And then when you take him off and, and halt his sort of progression, that's when he maybe loses, you know, not loses his touch, he never will. But you know what I mean. Like he, he's a bit more rusty. And so, if you give Modric a, a rest, um, for example, next weekend against Vitaly, you rest him ahead of the Atlanta game. That will then have been ten days since he played in the Valencia yeah. game, yeah. and then you have a rusty Modric going up against Atlanta rather than your fresh kind of Modric. So, I don't actually think you do need to rotate them too much. The only thing is, is the injuries. I guess you know, every minute that they play is is a risk. So when it's a game like this and you're beating Valencia 2-0 and Valencia are showing absolutely no signs of doing anything, you know, take these guys off with 10 minutes to go. Use your subs. Zidane, which he never does. He always uses one or two. Use the subs there to bring on, you know, Ari Bass or somebody. Um, just to, not so much for the, the rest. I mean, 10 minutes is 10 minutes. It's not going to make a massive difference, but just to avoid... Um,
0: yeah, like somebody going to... for a bad challenge or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which can happen when a team's losing and frustrated and, you know, you've got the ball, you're trying to keep possession, whatever. You know, those last 10 minutes of games are, uh, the risk of a bad challenge goes up, you know. The last 10 minutes of a game you're winning, it's more likely someone will go in for it than the first 10 minutes of of a game. So yeah, you want to avoid those risks, but (coughs) I don't think the rotation thing is too big an issue because, yeah, basically um, midweeks have been three for the last few weeks and will be for the next few as well.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, those are all important points you make. Like the the schedule being a little bit light right now is what what helps Ramja playing as many games as they do. And obviously, the the argument for Benzema playing as much as he does is has always been that he doesn't play international break games. There's one mm-hmm. I think had there's one I think in the end of March is an international break, but um, yeah,
1: that's the only one between now and the end of the season,
0: right? which is crazy like i was looking at the schedule i was like hold on a sec do we not have any international breaks i only counted one i thought i was going crazy so i'm glad you confirmed it for me and um like the thing is like so right now we basically have a week in between games and if you rest modric as you, as you pointed out you're starting you're suddenly going sometimes even two weeks between games and that that could mess with his rhythm and he's been vocal in the past that like for me the best way to stay fit is just to keep playing it's not it's not resting um i actually i i was I, I was on the phone a couple days ago with one of his old coaches i'm working on a story about about him and he was saying like people don't realize like Modric's drive is is similar to like kind of Ronaldo and zlatan in that he, he takes yeah. care of himself. Like he doesn't. We don't talk about him like that. But he t- he takes care of himself like those guys do. Like he's he's incredibly fit. So um, you know Modric may yeah, also be an outlier this, here.
1: There's this almost perception of Modric as being um, gets tired easily, needs a rest from those first few months after the World Cup. But that was different. That was because he went all the way to the final. They played extra time and penalties pretty much every round. Uh, you know that was different. The Modric of the first half of the 2018-19 season, yeah, he needed rested, needed rotated, but that was because of an extraordinary thing. In these more normal times, which is hilarious to call it normal times, but in these times when you only have a game every week, yeah, he can, like you're saying, he's <laughs> he's got the he's got the internal machine to to keep up with it.
0: What did you think of because uh, the the performances of the attackers? Maybe Benzema aside, Benzema's his own category at this point, but Asensio and Vinicius have been under the microscope quite a bit because you Real Madrid are getting good production from their central midfielders and not so much from their wingers, although that has changed a little bit with Asensio rounding into form of late. Uh, Vinicius has been kind of hot and cold. What did you think of their performance today?
1: Yeah, I mean, Asensio, I think, had had an overall good game, but you're going to remember that chance where... He was basically through one on one and just couldn't quite control it and and the ball slipped away to Jalme. To um but apart from that, an overall player thought Asensio was was good, uh, Vinicius, Um I mean yeah, I don't think he had his his best game in this one. And that's been the case, you know, quite a lot recently, if you if you think about it. It's this is basically the front three right now, well hazards out and you know, Senso seems to more or less, you know, average a, a 7 out of 10 or something like that. Vinicius can have a 10 out of 10 game and then, you know, like a 2 or 3 out of 10. Um, And it's that inconsistency that I think's the problem because you don't know what you're going to get from him. With well, Senso, you know he'll do the hard work, he'll track back, he'll complete most of the passes that he should, he'll make the right decisions more or less and, you know, he might create a couple of, of good chances. Um, mm. On a good day, with Vinicius, it's just so much more unpredictable because that's the kind of player he is. You know, he some days he's just he's feeling it. Some days he's got a back who he can just get the better of. Some days he doesn't.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's like to, and to me, the difference between Asensio and Vinicius today was that I don't you know. I, I don't think they were both that active, but Asensio was slightly more active than Vinicius, and I think the main difference between them today was. I thought Asensio was better at just kind of putting the foot on the pedal and getting getting the the ball in in transition a little bit faster than, than Vinicius was. He was also a little bit more daring with his with his dribbles and like he tried to take Gaia on. Um, he also had five completed dribbles which is a good sign. That's a game high. With Vinicius I felt like there were times where he gets the ball in transition and he was a little bit too slow. Like do you remember there was this moment in the first half where him and Asensio like exchanged like 10 passes casually towards each other. Mm, and just yeah. the the attack was like at, at a snail's pace. And then, you know, and Valencia were just like, okay, this is fine with us. But there was another moment where Vinicius gets the ball in transition and slows it down and then gives it to Asensio. And then Asensio gets it and dribbles and then, f- and then zips it quickly and then tells Vinicius to make a run. And then Vinicius sprints. And then actually that leads to a really good chance. Um, that was the, if I can find it amid all my notes, I, I'm i not ex- entirely sure where it was now, but it actually led to a chance. I think it was a Benzema header, and uh, it led to a chance. And I, that was kind of down to Asensio taking initiative, so I thought that was the main difference between them two. Asensio was a little bit more daring and a little bit more attack-minded, which is something that Real Madrid needed, obviously, and that was the difference between them two today. <clears throat> Yeah, no, uh, yeah. and
1: and that's the thing I think yeah you're right sometimes Vinicius was was quite slow but when you're analysing that I guess you need to look at well what time in the game was it and what was the score at that time when it's 0 nil, you don't want him to be slow you want him to be going for it when you're winning but it's like a really promising counter attack with a lot of space you want him to go for it but there was a couple of times where he can have slows the play down but Real Madrid already winning 2-0 he takes his time he passes back and that's okay. The worst thing you can do when you have a comfortable two goal lead is, is have Vinicius try and drive into the box and, and keep losing possession. Sometimes if he just takes a moment and you know, passes back to 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 Mundy or or to Modric or Cruz, that's fine. Um when you have the lead. Um but yeah, it's when it's when it's still nil nil, which as you mentioned a couple of those examples I think did come in the first half when it was still nil nil and he's just a little bit too slow to um you know, to do what he should be doing, which is which is taking players on. But yeah, you can't criticize him too much. I think for when he slowed it down in the second half, because again, that might be instructions from Zidane. Because there was no need to force the issue quite so much when you've got that comfortable two-goal lead.
0: I guess we should have a Benzema segment. That goes without saying. <laughs> Phenomenal goal. I mean, really was just art. Like just seeing him cut in and sling it like that. In the far post. Five shots, very active in the final third. What what else can you say about him? <laughs> no, he was he was
1: I mean the great the goal was great, but just overall he was you know, it was that kinda of bends in of my game, I think, where, you know, uh, playing at home, a tough opponent, but you know, very winnable. If he's up for it, he's you know, he's gonna cause Valencia <laughs> all those problems, probably licking his lips at the fact they were um trialing out a new central defense in this game. He just bullied people. He yeah, he was he was fantastic. And that goal is, is maybe his best goal of the whole season, to be honest. Um, that's his third goal actually outside the box that he's that he scored this season um just in La Liga. So uh yeah he's he's kind of adding that to his game because he never I don't know that like I can't remember another season where he even attempted or scored so many outside the box goals. Um, as this one. So, um, yeah, now people complain about Benzema not being in the penalty area enough. Well, if he's if he's going from outside it, then that's fine.
0: Do you have any thoughts on uh, Zidane's subs? Like you mentioned earlier in the podcast that he only made a couple, well, three, including the Vasquez one, which was out of necessity. But um, do you have any notes on Mariano and Isco who came in?
1: Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's not just in this game, but all the time Zidane almost never uses a sub. There's no coach in all of La Liga who's used substitutions less than Zidane. Like, mm. The number of subs that he makes out of the five available is the lowest in all of La Liga. And yeah, I don't really get that because when it comes to the rotation thing, you can play your starters and when you have a comfortable lead, then you can take a couple of them out, not just with five minutes to go, with a bit more, which is what happened in this one. I mean, Asensio came out with 20 minutes to go and then Modric and Benzema with, more than 10 minutes to go I think I can't remember exactly when it was but uh, the clock hadn't hit 80 yet I think it was 78, 79 minutes Um, so then you're giving those guys a decent run out um, you know 10 minutes plus the stoppage time rather than just okay Mariano, warm up you're going on for 3 minutes which must become frustrating so um, you keep the the subs a little bit happier as well by giving them actual minutes um, you know more than just uh, play out the stoppage time and again like we're saying you avoid that risk of injury you give players a bit more of a rest um no you'd you'd like to see Zidane making more of those subs in like the 70th minute more or less when things are going well and you have a a multiple goal goal lead but it kind of goes back I guess to one of the first things we said was that there actually haven't been too many games like this where Real Madrid have had a, a really comfortable multiple goal lead um yeah, with uh, with twenty minutes to go, and that's why. And Zidane's even said that that's why he's kept players on because the games, many of the games, weren't decided, weren't completely polished off until the last few minutes.
0: Yeah, and just to go back to the comfort thing from earlier, it, it still it still blows my mind how comfortable this was. I mean, they didn't. <clears throat> it's not like Real Madrid created that many clear cut chances. They created a lot of chances. I don't know how many of them were clear cut. I mean, even the Benzema goal was incredibly difficult to score, mm. and. Uh, Cruz to the top of the box was 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 a was a great strike um there is another weird way this game goes where it's like you know it this kind of it's possible that this ends up in a nil nil game and I'm also it's interesting that they only had five seven eight nine ten crosses in this game it wasn't like a high volume offensive performance in that sense um but hey, they, they played really well. They controlled the game. I, again, I don't want to discredit them, but it was just kind of this weird weird, weird vibe to Valencia making it as easy as they did. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you about Isco. Obviously, he came mm. in. I mean, we can't really take in. I don't know what to say about this game. He, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything great. Just 10 passes and played 12 minutes. Do you think he works his way back into the squad at some point or do you think he's one foot out the door?
1: I mean, for the rest of the season, yeah, he's going to play a lot because Odegaard's at Arsenal and uh, Valverde's still injured. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's the fourth choice midfielder and the last choice. I mean, apart from the Fede, the I guess. Academy. Yeah, that's what I mean. But well, as lo- for as long as as Feddy's still injured, yeah. then then Isco's going to be the guy that comes in whenever you do take um, Modric or Krosov, Um unless unless the um given minutes to to some of the academy guys. So so yeah, I mean Isco is going to have to play till the end of the season. Who knows what happens then in the summer? I mean, pff, I don't know if they will let him go if they don't have a replacement. And if, you know, there's not that much money to go around. Then who's to say they would have a replacement? You you need a certain number of midfielders even you know when Odegaard comes comes back as well you still need a good you know five or six midfielders yeah people get frustrated if they're not the ones earning the minutes but I mean that's your job is to be a part of the squad you know if you're um, not able to be a starter all the time well you just gotta you just gotta work harder and and come on and do your do your thing when you're asked so no I think Isco. Again, I feel happy for him that he got minutes that was more than just, you know, two or three minutes um, at the end of the game. Or, you know, two minutes by the time he's tied his hair up in the bun. So he actually got some some decent minutes this time, which, you know, good for him.
0: Well, once you get, like, to end of February slash mid-March, and then obviously beyond that we don't know. It depends on if Real to progress in the Champions League or not. But, you know, once you throw in those Atalanta games, there's the schedule does get tighter a little bit. And so I'm looking at like that Elche game in between Atleti and Atalanta. Like those, that's that's a game that you also potentially would end up here, but also one where you'd expect some rest to, to come into play. But I'm not sure. Because um, they play Elche two days before Atalanta, which almost seems like a scheduling mm, nah. error. They mu- I'm sure they... I guess they'll probably nah, move be- that to a day prior, probably. So I maybe that's three days?
1: The, I think that's because the kickoff hasn't been... Um... Announced yet for the Elche one. So um, that's like the weekend of the 14th, I think.
0: Right. So so that'll be on the 13th. 13th probably. So you said still, it's only three days, but still. Yeah. Um, okay. So what did we what did we miss? Any Zidane quotes that came in? Or were um, you too busy to look that up? Nah, I, I had I look. Look
1: up? He was kind of repeated what he said on Saturday about the injuries, um, which I thought was a semi-interesting comment that he said on Saturday where he was saying the injuries aren't just bad luck. I was like, well, that's a bit of a bit of a criticism of the of the medical. Yeah, team. that
0: seemed like a bit of a shot yeah. shot fired.
1: Um, <clears throat> and I mean, it's true. I mean, over the last few seasons, Real Madrid have had so many injuries. I feel like it's not even new. Um, it's not something from this season. It's you know, there's been so many injuries over the past few years, um, and and lots of muscle. I mean, what happened to Hazard? You can't. Um, the first time where you know it's a contact injury in his ankle, things like that. I mean that happens, that's bad luck. But these muscle injuries that are just um always cropping up, these, you know, non contact injuries. And if you look at the players who are out just now, almost all of them are out with something like that. Um almost nobody went out with a um with a contact injury. And the injury list is just crazy. So yeah, shots fired by Zidane um at the medical team. And I don't we'll see what happens with that if they if they change anything. But um I mean that's that's been a topic at Real Madrid. For for a long the coaches have always been yeah. you know, arguing with doctors, firing doctors. Even with
0: Pintus and Olmo, like all everybody, mm. this was yeah. this has always been a discussion. Um Okay, so um I'm tempted to wrap it up here, but as always, I, I, every time I I suggest to wrap it up, somebody usually says, No, we missed this, we missed that. Did we miss anything today that you feel is important to address?
1: I don't think so. Like we're saying, okay. it was just uh, quite a routine uh a routine win so i guess that makes it a routine podcast
0: <laughs> routine podcast is the way i like it so we're at a cool 40 minutes right now so um for housekeeping for our listeners tomorrow we'll be back um post i think on the patreon patreon feed for uh, the real madrid Femenino game which is tomorrow so patreon.com slash managing madrid if you want access to that Plus a bunch of other content, including at least two two to three bonus episodes per week only on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Uh you and this was fun, my friend. Thank you for joining the show. Hope you enjoy the rest of your evening in Spain. Which sounds nice. But um yeah, thank you so much and we'll talk soon. Take care. JBL. Before we wrap it up, I wanted to give a shout out to our amazing $10 plus patrons. Shout out to all of our amazing patrons. There's so many of you now. Uh, we really appreciate your support. We have a lot of great content coming up for you guys still, and we're just getting started. So thank you to all your support. Thank you to these $10 uh, ten t- patrons who get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Phoenix, Brandon Alvarez, GWolf94, S.A. Davisito, Willie Reed, Wayparent, Tyler Simon, Tyler Dixon, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, uh, <laughs> Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Sato Sorosano, Said Mahad, Sad Omar, Raul Gutierrez, Raga Potluri, Oscar Barrera, Nick Laxo, Nick Ribeiro, Nick Lar, Nathan Hermes, Muksi Thangal, Mowgli, Michael Zinberg, Maren Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, MJ Diego, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Kevin Rivera, Karen Scherer, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdon, Eric Rogers, Elo Enriquez, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fiori Erdman, Ashik Bashar, Anthony Lombardi, Anirudh Singh, Alexis Saniceros, Adam Dorsey, Al Varun, Fabian Moreno, Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much. Love you all. Really do. And until next time, alamorir.